this is a memorable and important month for me. All of my life, great, great things have happened to me in August. Wonderful things have happened at other times as well. Now, I haven't been confined to August for the blessings of God. But abundant blessings have come to me in August. Starting out with finding Jesus Christ as my Savior, or His finding me. On August the 6th, many years ago, on a hot Sunday night in a little Pentecostal church, that was crowded with people, without air conditioning. And when I got ready to go to the altar, I didn't know I was ready to go. I didn't know I was going to be ready to go. I didn't know I was going until the invitation was given. I was standing there and something got a hold of me. It just took me right back to that prayer room and I fell down for an old, I won't say rusty, but it was a, a, a metal chair. Not even any padding on it. It's an old metal chair. I fell down on a wooden floor. Cried out to God. Good to see him. And he did. And it's good today. It's lasted all of these years and it's still good today. Amen. And so, and then a few years after that, several years in fact, on that same day of August, August the 6th, I got married. 60 years ago. Oh, 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 oh. You've already applauded for that. It's okay. You can't you can't applaud enough for sixty years. <laughs> but it's been a great it's been a great journey. It's been a great experience being married to my lovely wife. And then in the passing of time, my middle child, my first daughter, was born in August. The last time I told events that were important to me in August, I missed this one. I will never forget it again. I will never, Kim, I will never forget it. You are important to me today. (laughs) My daughter Kimberly was born on the the 11th of August. And then my second granddaughter, beautiful granddaughter Avery was born on the 16th of August, many years later, of course. And then not the last of these important things, significant things. I started this church on the first Sunday of August of 2010. The Lord had spoken to someone about asking me to come over here to fill in because the pastor of the church had left. And I thought I was coming to a church. I came to a church building. I guess it was a church. It's 15 people. About. Like 15 every time. Sometimes it's 12, sometimes 15, sometimes. But about the average of 15. So we started out with that. And in 10 months, 11 months actually, but 10 months the promise came of what God was going to do. And in 11 months God started the fulfillment of that promise. And God showed us what he's going to do in this place. He's done marvelous things here. It isn't representative to look at those who are in the church today. But those of you who know the church know that this is not typical. This is all because what we're dealing with in our nation today and this crisis that we're facing. But the people who love the church and are part of it and members of it throng together on a normal Sunday morning. And it's a great thing to see the people of God. It's a great thing to see you come together as people of God. But when we all are here, I can't wait for that Sunday, when we say, 
my pastor. I've said this many times. I want to say it again. You may hear it for the next few Sundays, too. Especially next Sunday as we celebrate this 10th anniversary. I've pastored larger churches in this my lifetime experience, but I've never pastored a better church. I've never pastored a greater church than this one. And I judge that by the spirit of the church, by the unity of the church, by the cohesive spirituality of the church. This is a great church. And every time the enemy has tried to invade it and bring a destructive force in it, God has come against him. God has driven it out. He's defeated him. And God's going to keep on doing that. Has everybody stayed who came? No. Thank God for that. I just feel like it is. I'm glad everybody that passed through didn't stay away. It's not for everybody. I want people to find the place that's for them. We practice what we believe in the complete word of God here. And that's what we're going to keep doing. And we hope that suits everybody, but I know it won't. So those who come and visit for a little while and decide this is not for them, we shake your hand and pray God's blessing on you, and you find the right place. And we don't go in crying grief over the fact that they're gone. Because if some folks will all not be here, that's how we'll do the work. I'm not talking about any of you, by the way. <laughs> of course. Because I know every one of you. And you may it. Okay, I got you. That covers it. I know I'll be there. So we know that. But you see, that's the way God keeps the strength of the body. He keeps those who are the very weak points out. Well, I could have just preached on this whole thing this morning. Now I've taken up some of my time, but I still have time enough to believe and share with you what I, I feel really led in my heart as I prayed about it through yesterday and through earlier days this week. I want to talk to you something about this morning, the promises of God. God makes promises. God keeps promises. It's that simple. It's that clear. It's that plain. That's what the Bible says. God makes promises. One day, one Sunday, a few weeks back, a little while back now, I asked in a Sunday morning as I was preaching something about the promises of God, how many of you believe that God has spoken a promise to your heart that you've not had fulfilled yet. And I would say at least 75, 80% of the congregation raised their hand. It surprised me. It actually surprised me. I kind of took a thinking about it momentarily. But I take that to be people who are talking to God and speaking to God about their lives. And God is planting expectations in them. Called it promises, yes. But God is planting expectations in us of things that he will do and things that he wants to do because we surrender to him and give him first place in our lives. I'm still looking for certain promises to be made. I'm going to tell you about one in particular. I looked this up in the little diary that I started keeping. I started keeping it too late, but I started keeping it a few years ago. And I have the date and the time written down. And you know, I felt my Lord spoke in my heart two different times. This was just a few years ago. Right about the time I was coming to this church. And I felt like the Lord said in my heart, I will give you a greater victory in your life than ever before. And I said one time to one of our English teachers in here, if we're God speaking, maybe he would have left off that word at the end. Because correct English would have said, God, I'm going to give you something greater than ever. 
sometimes I don't say that. So I said before, I thought that's what I heard in my heart. I believe it. I believe it right here today. Because one week later, in the same place at almost the same time of the evening, I felt God speak the same thing to my heart again. I've prayed about that, especially recently. I've been really spending time in prayer about that because time is passing, and I'm wondering. And then the Lord began to show me other times in my life that I had been in certain places, and it, it wasn't what I wanted. I mean, I thought as the pastor of the church, it wasn't what I wanted to be. And then what I just said to you about this church a few moments ago, I believe God put it in my heart again and caused me to think. I haven't totally decided yet, but I believe that what I'm experiencing and have experienced in this church may be the fulfillment of that promise. A greater victory than ever. Because I consider this church to be a victory of God. You are God's victory. We are God's power because we pray and God answers. We give and God supports us. We bless others and God blesses us. We stand up for those in need. We do what God has spoken to us about doing in His Word, and I believe we do it successfully. And I, I'm, I'm beginning to come to the grasp within my heart that, yes, this, this may very well be the fulfillment of that promise. I promise to come back to you and share when I'm totally convinced that it is. It may already be there to let you. I believe that's God's fulfillment. being acted out right now. It wouldn't look like it this morning. But on a normal Sunday morning, we're not facing the corona crisis, and people are here. It looks a lot like it. When I think about starting off those 10 years ago with 15 people sitting in the congregation, and, and, and then it started to grow. It really started to grow, you know. And we had, then we had 20, and we had 21, 22, and sometimes every now and then we even have 30. And boy, that seemed like a great, great day when we had that. But I was getting more and more discouraged as time went by. And finally, I just went before God. After about 10 months of going through all of that, I, I will tell you, I knew that God had given me a sign that I was not going to violate that, but if God would allow me, if God would permit me and not violate his will, I was saying within myself, I'm about through with all of this, Lord. I'm not preaching anything I plan to preach this morning, but I'm going to go ahead and want to talk about it anyway. But I was about to, I was about to say, Lord, I can't take much more of this because... I've been praying for two and a half years for God to revive my life and restore me into doing the work of God that he had called me to do. And I couldn't figure out, think about this now for your own situation, I couldn't figure out why God has spoken to me about such wonderful things and he was doing such little things. I thought God had spoken to me about doing big things and what I was seeing him doing were such little things. And I just really was crying out to God day after day, put me where I'm supposed to be or give me what I'm supposed to have, Lord. And uh, nothing changed. We kept having good services and people were being blessed. But one Sunday morning, while uh, we were still living in Jacksonville, and I was waiting for Carolyn to finish getting ready to drive over here for church. I got down on my knees about 9.30 in the morning in the office I had in my house then. I was just crying out to God for the morning service. And as clear as I've ever heard God speak in my heart, and you know what I mean when I say this. I'm not putting myself in somebody's. God speaks with a great loud voice out of the clouds. If you're walking with God and you're close to Him, you will hear the voice of God in your spirit, and you will comprehend that it is the voice of God. So that morning as I was praying, as clearly as I could feel in my own 
sun. Sun, S-O-N, brightly. The sun is shining on you now. That was March 15th of 
was about 75 years old, the Lord called him out of a place called Haran and led him to Canaan. He said, leave here and go to a place that I will show you. Abraham, in obedience to God, did that. At that time, the Lord said to him, Abraham, I will make of you a mighty nation. Your seed will be in great abundance, and you will bless many people, all of mankind, you will bless them. So that, in that God was promising a, a family, he was promising a son, he was promising a progeny that would come after him, that would do great things, more than one man could ever do, is what he was saying. Later on in the Bible, Galatians chapter, chapter 3 of Galatians, Verse 8, the scripture says, and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So Abraham had an early presentation of the gospel from the Spirit of God, and that promise was given to him. So Abraham moved, he went over into the land of Canaan, and then through a time of great confusion in his life, waiting for the promise of God. His wife said, God's never going to do this. Maybe we're supposed to do something to help him. So take my handmaiden, Hagar, let her be your concubine. Maybe we'll have a son through him, and God will fulfill the promise to us that way. Don't ever try it. Don't ever try it. When God makes you a promise, he'll fulfill the promise his way. You don't have to show him how to do it. I learned a little bit of that lesson. That's why I'm here. And you don't have to do it to make God's will work. God's got the power to do everything he said he would do. What you have to do is keep on trusting and keep on believing. They came to the place and nothing was happening. No son. They were getting older and older and older. Now they were bare children. And then they found out. Well, or Sarah had, I'm not trying to blame Sarah, but she was the one who suggested so I wouldn't blame me for the Garden of Eden, but she was the one who said it. So, they, so Sarah said, why don't you just take Hagar? Maybe God will give us the promised son through. Well, that was impossible because God had said that he would give Abraham a son by his own chosen own will and by the wife that God would give him. Anyway, so they took Sarah. They had a, they, there was a, a child was born, Ishmael, a source of conflict from then and throughout the ages with, with the, with the uh, progeny that came along from Israel. But in that time, there was no satisfaction. There was no peace. They couldn't, they, they, they knew really down inside, this is not what God's promised. God had promised to give them Isaac. He didn't name him, but he gave, he gave him the son was to be Isaac. And Isaac was the perfect example, the closest to being a perfect example of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ our Lord through the Old Testament to show us what's going to be in the New Testament as anything we have. Closer than any other symbol side representation of the ministry of Jesus that would, become, that would come in the New Testament. So then, after a long period of time, years passed, and there were, and one morning Abraham was sitting in the opening door of his tent, and he looked up and he saw three men standing over there. And the three men were angels representing the Lord. They came to him, they spoke to him, and they said, we're going to give you child. This is in the 18th chapter of Genesis. And, uh, and uh, so in the 10th verse, the man said to Abraham, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. The time of life. And lo, 
Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent. She was standing inside the door behind. She heard it, and she laughed to herself. God called her on that. But I'll skip over that. So he said, in the time of life, you'll have a son. Now, Abraham and Sarah certainly go into a discussion about this. And she says, look, look, Matt, honey, I'm 90 years old. I don't care what that angel said. And Abraham Abraham said, well, look at me, I'm 100. And I believe him. If he was more anxious to get on with the project, maybe, than Sarah was to start with. But nevertheless, nevertheless, they came together.
chose to be a representation of Jesus Christ throughout the Old Testament in its greatest, greatest form. They believed God had trusted him that at the appointed time, the promise would be fulfilled. They came to that point. That's the point, my friend, that you and I need to come to today. That at the appointed time, the appointed hour, the time of God's choosing, which he's already set, he's already determined what it is. It isn't a matter of if the promise is going to be fulfilled and God has spoken into your heart. It's a matter of when. It's only a matter of when. And what do you and I have to do until that when comes? To that moment of appointment comes? We have to keep trusting Him. We have to keep believing Him. We have to keep saying, yes, O oh Lord, the promise is given. The promise is from you. The promise is mine because you gave it to me. And I will keep trusting you and I will keep believing you until the day of your appointment arrives. And on that day, I'll rise up in that morning of the glory of God. And maybe I won't know that's appointed, the appointed day until I see it happen. And then I will see something unveiled and something revealed and the light shining upon it. And I will know that this is the will of God. This is the plan of God. This is the promise that I've waited for. This is the promise I believe for. And now I have it. It's real and genuine and in my hands. And I will believe that God gave it to me and give God the glory for presenting it to me as he promised he would do. Amen. Hallelujah. So to tell you that God's going to keep his word, God's going to keep his word, the end time group that's prophesied is going to be revealed in its fullness. And God is going to keep his word. Psalm 89, 34. Please, please, if you don't have it marked in your Bible, mark it. Color it. Write it down. Write it down in separate verses. Put it in whatever little thing you keep notes in. Let it be in the very front part of the book. Hold on to it. Memorize it. Say it, preach Repeat it to yourself every day as the word of God to you. Psalm 89, 34. How many of you know what that says? I've said it so many times here. I think some of you remember. Maybe not. If you go out of here, I'm going to tell you what it is. If you go out here when you're driving out, you look on the sign out there. Down at the bottom of the sign, there'll be a little blue metal plaque. It'll have this verse on it. One of the greatest verses God ever showed me in my life. But in that verse, God says, I will not break my covenant, the agreement that I've made, the promise I've given. I will not break my covenant, nor alter a single word that has gone out of my lips. But I've spoken to your heart, God says. Hold on to it because I will do it. I never break my word. I will not break my covenant. I hold on to it. Treasure it. Believe it. God's going to do it. I won't break my covenant because I never have, God said, and I never will. If I've spoken it to your heart, it's going to happen. And then to go on and say, I won't change a single word. I won't take back one single word that I've spoken. Don't worry about my changing what I told you because I'll never do that. Just hold on to the promise. And when the appointed time comes, you will have the fulfillment. You'll have that abundance of whatever it is you're asking for. That person will come into your life that you're looking for. You'll have that position that you work for and train for and strain for and wonder why you hadn't been appointed to it. You'll have that victory that you consider so long to be a defeat because it hadn't happened. But you hold.
hold on to it. And because you keep holding on to it, God's going to honor what he's told you. God's going to keep his word to you. He's never going to break his word. Whatever he's told you, God's going to do. I promise you that. It's not my promise. It doesn't matter what I promise. I promise you I can stand on it because I know it's true. That's what God's word says. That's what God's word is going to continue to say. That's what God's going to do. God is not, God doesn't change. He's not a man that he should lie. God is true. Honors his word. Holds fast to his promises. And God's going to do everything he has said he's going to do. Do you believe that? Stand with me, please. I know you believe it. I know you believe it. Praise God. Praise God. Stand with me right now. Stand with me right now in faith and believing. I'm sorry I ran just a little bit long this morning. I try always not to do that, but I had to tell you about August, and that got me started in a different direction. 